What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Andrew Ramon Show. I'm so happy that you have tuned in. I hope your day is going great. And if it's not, like I've said before, at least you're listening, and hopefully this will be of some encouragement for you. I hope you, you've uh, gotten the chance to listen to the pre- some of the previous episodes. There were some hot takes of what's going on in culture, so you, yeah, you didn't want to miss those whatsoever. Well, today is not necessarily a hot take, but I do believe that this is something we all need to hear. It's something that the Lord kind of has been speaking to me and, and to me personally. And as I always say, I always want to try to be authentic. I also want to try to be genuine. So what I'm kind of going through, what I'm working, I want to share that with you. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsors. That's right. To be honest, I'm struggling pretty recently with mugs. I'm, I have to start traveling again, like I've mentioned. Last time I got to travel to the Coca-Cola, uh, World of Coca-Cola. So I got that mug and we talked about Woka Cola, if you remember remember that. But then I found this one. This is awesome. If you can't see it, it, it is another Colorado. I ha- I did show a very similar one in the previous episode. It had to be like, I don't know, 40 episodes ago or something like that, because we're like on episode 63, I think, something like that. And uh, this is a Colorado one. We got this at Breckenridge. I've gotten the chance to go to Breckenridge several times. Uh, two times. It is awesome. It is such an, a cute little town, to be honest with you. If you haven't gotten the chance, I've never gone during the summer, so you can tell me how that is. But during the winter, there's a, two great restaurants. I have to remember the names, but one's like a wing. It's um something like a tavern or like a wing tavern or something like that. There's a great wing place. There's a very, very fancy uh, restaurant that's, that was really expensive, but that's okay because a friend paid. So have you ever do you have like those friends that sometimes you go to like fancy restaurants and they end up paying and you're, you're just like thank you god yeah yeah that was kind of one of those experiences uh but i love this mug actually i gave this mug to my dad because although he doesn't collect mugs i do but he drinks more coffee than i do sometimes or like tea or something like that um i don't know if anyone has noticed but like i i don't i still have to get in the habit of like drinking tea or coffee. I'm just like not that type of person, which is ironic because I collect mugs. So it's like, what a waste. But you know what? If you ever come to my house and you want to drink off your tea, bro, do I have a mug collection for you? I do. I do. And thank you. That's a word from our sponsors. All right, back to the show. So yes, you might have read this title and you're like changing the world one hug at a time. Andrew, what 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 in the world are you talking about? Well, I, I do mean it, changing the world one hug at a time. And, and here, let me kind of let you know where this idea came from. Okay, I'll, I'll kind of set it up from the beginning. Have you watched The Chosen yet? It's the, um, the kind of TV, multi-episode TV series about Jesus's life. Uh, maybe you've never heard of it. Maybe you have. I mean, there have been millions of people who have watched it by now. It is a phenomenal show. If you're like me, I grew up in church a lot, and I am a little bit, uh, how do you say, I'm a little bit picky when it comes to Christian films, because I think a lot of them can be cheesy. Now, I don't mean that they're bad necessarily, but they can kind of be cheesy. You always you always know what to predict. Like, it's always the, um, it's, it's always the, the the girl in some town who can't find the man, and then the man comes, he's either like a police officer or he's like a pastor and they fall in love and then someone always always has to like die and then there's tragedy and yeah there's a pretty like common script to christian movies and i'm usually like ah they're kind of cheesy and and there have been some like really good movies about jesus's life like obviously obviously the passion of christ risen was another one that came out a couple years ago and there's a tv series called like the bible series that was pretty good as well um this chosen i gotta tell you it's the best i've ever seen 
it is such a unique take on the life of Jesus. Um, man, I don't want to spoil a lot. I, it's funny because I actually don't think you can spoil the life of Jesus. Like it's literally written in the Bible for you to read. Um, but if you haven't already, definitely go watch it right now. They have an app. You can download the, the Chosen app. I'm not like sponsored by them or anything like that. But it is such an amazing project that you have to check out because although there have been so many endeavors of trying to, you know, put, uh, put Jesus's movie on screen, um, I don't think there has ever been one like this, that it's a multi-season episode. Like this is on season two. So season two is actually, if you're listening to this podcast as it comes out, season two is just coming out. And the first episode, um, I like, again, I'm not going to spoil everything, but the reason that I got kind of the idea of this episode is there's a moment in that where Jesus is talking to a Samaritan man. And obviously, if you're familiar with kind of uh, the Jewish culture and everything, Samaritans and Jews did not get along whatsoever. There was a great, great, great divide um, between them. And uh, there's a long history behind that. But the point is that the Samaritan man was kind of, he felt a little bit unworthy of Jesus's presence because Jesus was kind of just showering him with love and kindness. Like he made his disciples, you know, plow uh, plow a a field for him. and, And the man told him, he told Jesus, if you knew who I was, you would not do this for me. If you knew what I've done, you, you wouldn't do this because he felt ashamed. In fact, he shares that he had attempted to murder a Jew out of a desperation for food. And he was going to try to almost steal his horse. And he ended up almost murdering the man. And so he felt great, great shame, great, great guilt. And he basically told Jesus, man, if you knew. It made me think, we've, we say that a lot, don't we, in our lives? Like, if only you knew this. And I, I thought a little bit about how our lives work, because it's usually when we start getting to know people more, then we find more reasons to not love them, right? I mean, think about it. Everyone superficially can be a really nice person. Oh man, that that person's so nice. It's like, man, he's never mad or he's never angry. Like just superficially, we can all put on a nice face. And it's usually when you get to know the person more that you start seeing their flaws. You start seeing, oh, this guy got an attitude, right? I mean, think about it this way. With your friend, you're like amazing. And Siri wants to talk to me as I'm recording this episode. You know, Siri's in Italian. Y'all didn't know that? Check this out. Hey, Siri. Wait, let me do this. Let's see. This is worse. Hey, Siri. Um, como me chiamo? She pulled up the Andrew Roman contact. I'm telling you, Siri knows, Siri knows who, ex- who I am exactly. Let, let's, let's see if she says this. Let me show her off a little bit. Grazie mille, Siri. Dude, why do you, why don't you want to say anything? Oh my gosh, I got I have her in silence. She said prego, by the way. She said you're welcome. So, anyways, that was Siri. Thank you so much for uh, getting into my show, Siri. Gosh. Um, anyways, where were we? So we were talking about uh, we were talking about how you. Oh yeah, the more that you know somebody, the more flaws you can find in them. I mean, when you think about it, with friends or with family, with friends we're all happy, but then it's usually you're at your worst with your family. Right, you can you can put a nice face to your friends, but with your family, they know you're, you're usually. If there's a little story, I mean, it's not like a story, but if if a friend hands you a cookie, you're like, oh yeah, thank you so much. If a brother hands you a cookie, you're just like, what'd you do with it, man? Did you spit on it or something? Right? Because with our family, we're kind of known to be a little bit more ourselves, 
and our mistakes come out a little bit more. So the more we know someone, the more the more flaws we find in them and the less likely it is for like us to love them. You find that even in relationships, right? The first date, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. The first date, he opened my door. He 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 kind of he pulled up the chair for me. He paid the bill. Wow, oh, he's such a gentleman. He treats me like a queen. Couple more days, couple more days, and you start finding out, oh, he does have a little bit attitude with his siblings. He has a little bit attitude with his mom. And then later, he has a little bit attitude with you. That's kind of how it works, right? The more flaws, the harder it is for us to love someone. And it's not just in our lives, it's actually our culture. Our culture works that way. The same way that the Samaritan said, if if you knew who I was you would find a reason not to love me. The culture is exactly like that. In fact, that is what culture can, uh, um, cancel culture is all about. The more dirt you can find on someone, the more ammo you have to try to bring them down. In a very volatile online environment, n- no one's safe. The more you find out about someone, the way that they voted, the way that they think, that you know, the, th- the posts that they make and all that, the more ammo you have for you to di- you know, vehemently is that even the word vehemently vehemently disagree with them and then use that reason not to love them or at least not to be kind to them not to be respectful because we always say well yeah i love them but yeah you you throw trash at them online because that's what cancel culture is all about the more labels we can find on someone whether it be liberal progressive or we throw the one woke a lot or bigot or fascist or snowflake or conservative or leftist or or on the right or sheep or science denier or fundamentalist we all kind of use these terms and the more that we found out about people the more reasons we use not to love people i mean as an example like for myself i've mentioned this a couple episodes ago I voted for Trump in the 2020 election. 2016, I wasn't old enough, old enough to vote. But usually, you saw this a lot during election time and, and in 2020. If someone was a Trump voter, it was like a it gave someone the right to either be mean to them or, in many times, to cause violence against them. You saw a lot of videos where someone just wearing a Trump hat kind of gave people the permission to just get hit in the face. By, by someone that's like, oh, it was because he was wearing a Trump hat because he's, quote, unquote, a Nazi or whatever. Our, our culture is pretty poisonous. It truly is. It's, it's very poisonous like that. And I feel like that is kind of pouring on to the way that we now love people. And I'm going to explain that a little bit. And by the way, I'm not just saying this only like, okay, you listen up and you do this. No, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking about my, myself. I was challenged myself. I, 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 I would ask myself, do I, would I rather label people than love people? Oh gosh, I said that. I said that. Is it? E- it's easier for us just to label people and then and just feel like, ah, you're crazy. So I'm not going to deal with you, right? That's what we, we've said in the last couple episodes. If you disagree with someone and you call them an extremist and you don't have to deal with them, we like to just label. But instead of just labeling people, what if we start loving people? And we're going to talk a little bit of like how that looks like exactly. But the reason this is so so important is because society has told us, this is the culture. Society has told us that you cannot love someone until they agree with you. That is how our culture works. I cannot love you until you agree with me. 
That is why if I personally disagree with the value or the ideas of the LGBTQ plus and whatever other letters respectfully they've added, um, if I disagree with their community, it is taken that I disagree with their value as people. Because this is this is the this is the the standard of love that our culture has been saying is that a person's value is equaled to a person to the value of their ideas. That's what our culture says. So if your ideas are evil, then you yourself are evil, and I have permission to hurt you. I have permission to slam you. I have permission to throw you under the bus and ruin your life if I consider your ideas to be evil because the, the value of your ideas equals the value of you as a person. So that's why if I disagree with the ideas of the LGBT community or someone in the, in, on the left and I disagree with them, then I'm automatically labeled as an evil person, as a bigot, as a racist, as a, a homophobe, as a xenophobe, and whatever other terms people throw around these days. You see the, the problem? The problem, though, is that although all people are created equal, not all ideas are created equal. I'll say that again. Although all people are created equal, not all ideas are created equal. That's why I have to agree to prove that I love someone. That is, that is what our society tells us. Okay, if you want to prove that you love someone, then you have to agree with them. And that's now affecting the way that, that we work. Many of us have adopted that definition of love that... To be honest with you, our society can't even live up to that definition of love. Have you seen our society lately? They say that they're the most tolerant and they they advocate for tolerance, but the moment you disagree with them, you're dead. You're canceled, you're thrown under the bus, and your whole life can be ruined. And they'll scream at you and everything, and it's totally okay, but it's all in the name of tolerance. It's all the name of acceptance. Just be more tolerant, just be... Be more open-minded. Oh, wait, are you a Christian who believes in the Bible? Then you're the most close-minded, and you blah, 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 and all these labels thrown under the bus. But it's all in the name of tolerance. You see, it can't even live up to its thing. It says you have to love, if you love people, then, um, you know, you have to agree with them. But then you disagree with them, and they definitely don't love you back. That At least that's the way I've seen. Because it claims to be welcoming. It claims to be more tolerant, and it claims to be the most uh, open-minded society in the world. But as I mentioned, the moment you disagree with them, you become their their worst worst enemy. And culture has said, and, and culture has given us the permission to belittle people, to hurt people, to be mean to them, to bully them online. This happens mostly online, but it does. It has kind of overflowed to physical attacks sometimes but it's mostly online because the if you consider someone's ideas to be evil then you have permission to consider the person evil and really get rid of them but how does that affect us that's right you and me as at least if you're a christian and if you follow jesus how does this culture's definition of love affect the way that we should love people how should you and I react when you find more reasons not to love someone? Well, I think that we should follow Jesus' Jesus's example. Now, Jesus was not what our culture paints him to be. Just this man who would be so tolerant that he would condone sinful behavior and just accept you 
and and say just say baby you live the way that you want i don't want to offend you you don't need to change whatsoever you're perfect right now in fact can i tell you something jesus was intolerant what Uh oh did i say that yeah jesus was intolerant of sin he was so intolerant of sin that he even gave his life to deal with it. You see, there's a great book uh, by um, Sean McDowell. It's, a, it's called The Beauty of Intolerance. And it, it follows kind of this, this, um, this li- the life of Jesus, of how he was so intolerant of sin, yet it's full of grace for the sinner. And unfortunately, our culture has switched and become extremely tolerant of sin and full of hate for the sinner or whatever the judge during executioner of a culture decides is sin right for them the, oh you disagree i'm not no longer tolerant with you and i'm full of hate for you oh but if you support all these principles and all this lifestyle that goes against the biblical then yeah we're to- totally tolerant with you but jesus was intolerant to sin and he was full of grace I love that. He was full of grace for the sinner. You see, the more that we find out people's faults and issues in ways that we disagree with them, the more reasons we find not to love them. But you know something that hit me when I was thinking about this? Is that Jesus is all-knowing. He's God. That means he's known everything about you he knows all the dirty secrets. He knows all the dark thoughts. He knows all the bad things that you've done, all the bad things that you will do. He knows all that. So we, the more that we know, the less that we love, yet he's all knowing and at the same time, he's all loving. I want you to think about that. He's all knowing and at the same time, he's all loving. How incredible is that? He knows everything. He has more reasons not to love you than any of us can find for, against someone else. He still loves you. That's not our culture. Our culture, the more they find out about you, the less they're likely they are to love you and the more that they can use against you and hate you. But Jesus is different. Jesus is full of grace for the sinner. He's intolerant of sin, and that's why he gave us a way out of it. He actually gave us a way for us to pick up our cross, be dead to sin, and alive now to Christ, and live a whole brand new life. We don't have to condone sin anymore. We don't have to excuse sin, because that our culture cannot deal with sin. Our culture can never fix their own problem, which is sin in all of us. So instead of, I mean, how, how, how depressing is it if you have an illness that you cannot fix? That is culture. The illness is sin. They cannot fix it. So guess what? If we're going to live with it, culture says, then let's not call it an illness. Let's call it something beautiful. Let's call it, it's just who we are because they cannot fix it. And a lot of us as culture, we've seen that and we've started to condone sinful behavior. We're starting to condone hate for people that, that we disagree with or not being kind to people or whether it be in the LGBTQ community, again, not against them as people, but against their actions or whether it be abortion or violence and, and just, and quote unquote, social justice. And we, we're okay with that. But remember that Jesus can, Jesus can set us free from sin. He's all-knowing and all-loving. Remember that chosen episode I was telling you about? 
so Jesus has spent dinner with with this man and, and with his Jesus's disciples. And as they were leaving, Jesus asked this man, "Hey, is it okay if I just give you a hug as you know as we go out?" And and of course, Jesus gave him a hug. And um, imagine a Jesus hug. I mean, bro, in the uh, in the episode, you can just feel it. Like I felt like Jesus was hugging me, man. And and as Jesus hugged him, this is what the hug told him. I know you. I know what you've done. And I still love you. See, that's what a hug says. A hug says that I don't have to agree with you. A hug doesn't try to debate and just discuss with people. There's room for debate. There's room for discussion. But a hug says, I know you. I know I disagree with you. I know what you've done. And I still love you. Yeah, I do believe that we can change the world one hug at a time. I do believe that our culture needs that more. Because I admit, myself included, I think about the people that I really disagree with and I ask myself, would I give them a hug? Would I give them a hug even if I can't stand their ideas? Even if I can't stand the, the things that they stand for? Would I give them a hug? And I want to ask you, would you? Because Jesus would. Jesus loves you and I, even though he knows the very worst of us. I mean, imagine us living in sin. It's like spitting to God's face. And even when we, th- we think that disagreeing with someone over politics is a reason not to like someone. Yet Jesus, while we were still sinners, I love that. While we were still sinners, Jesus said, I love you. And this is why I'm going to come and die for you. You see, an embrace symbolizes an acceptance and acknowledgement of the value of a person. Not necessarily their ideas, not necessarily their lifestyle, not necessarily their values, but their value as a person. So I want to give you a challenge. When is the last time that you actually embraced and gave a hug to those closest around you? Because, I mean, there's one, so many psychological and physical benefits to hugging. That's just how God made us. But maybe a lot of us, it's so hard to even hug our mom, hug our dad, hug our siblings. Because, ah, we just, I don't know. We find it as maybe it shows our weakness. I, I don't know what it is, but our culture has kind of desensitized us, especially now with COVID, right? We feel like I can't touch anyone. But I want to challenge you. Give a hug to your parents. I'm not talking about that creepy, random stalker, stranger. Don't don't give a hug to that guy. That guy's weird. Um, but I'm talking about your parents. I'm talking about your brothers. I'm talking about the friend, yeah, that you kind of disagree with. I'm talking about, one, the idea of an embrace, but also like the physical embrace. When's the last time that you hugged those that you love the most and that you say you love the most, but you still haven't quite hugged them? You see, when I, when I talk about all this... I'm, I've mentioned this in this episode. I think about myself. I I genuinely love people. At least that's how I feel. And I was thinking, I said, do I genuinely love those that I disagree? Like, like am I am I praying for them? Am I am I am I more concerned of what label they have? Am I more concerned of, of how I disagree with them than how I love them? I know this is not an easy episode, and if you made it this far, I want to congratulate you. But I, I, I want to challenge you today. There's still room for discussion. 
there is still room for disagreement. But let's not get our definition of what it means to love from culture. Let's get it from Jesus. And if Jesus could hug someone who was a sinner, who had some of the worst things you could ever think of, and if Jesus could embrace you and he could embrace me, then I do think that we can change the world one hug at a time. I'll see you in the next episode of The Andrew Amon Show. Mm-hmm.